Thanks for joining us today on RV Tech Talk, a podcast produced by the National RV Training Academy that is devoted to discussing ways to keep RVs in tip-top shape and ways to make money fixing or inspecting recreation vehicles. My name is Greg Gerber, your host for today's show. Today we're going to talk with an RV inspector based in Florida who has a very successful business. This episode is sponsored by Work Camper News, a magazine and online publication that connects RVers to full and part-time jobs around the country. Whether it is running a business from your RV or working short-term jobs for a variety of employers, Work Camper News can give you information to help you plan a course to live your own dream and get you on the road faster than you thought possible. For more information about opportunities to live, work, and play in your RV, visit www.workcampernews.com. Jeff Baker was an engineer for the Royal Navy, who truly understands how engines and mechanical systems work. After moving to Florida several years ago, he stumbled across an opportunity to put his skills to work helping RV owners. While attending the Tampa RV Super Show in 2014, he learned about the new National RV Inspectors Association, which was just getting started. He was one of the first people to go through training to become a certified RV inspector. He describes the differences between home inspections and RV inspections and explains why it's important for buyers to get any RV inspected before signing a loan document. Jeff explains the inspection process and all that it covers and how fluid analysis can provide a glimpse into the inner workings of an RV engine and transmission. He describes some of the surprising things he has uncovered during the inspections and how the training he took as at the predecessor to the National RV Training Academy prepared him to look for and identify any issues that may impact an RV's value. He also talks about what he likes most about inspecting RVs and why he recommends the business to others who are looking to make a good income by helping other people. So please welcome Jeff Baker, owner of Inspect RV, to the show. Thanks for joining me today, Jeff. I really appreciate that. Where are you located and how long have you been working as an inspector? We are current, I am currently located about 18 miles west of Orlando in a town called Claremont. Some people call it the hilly part of Florida. We're about 12 miles from Walt Disney World. Uh, we moved down to Florida probably eight years ago. Um, and we went to the Tampa Super Show in January of 2014 and met Steve Anderson at the Work Camper News, who was starting up with Terry Cooper, a whole inspection business. And we thought, you know what, with my background and we love RVing, uh, it would be a really fun thing to do. And so that's where the investigation started. And so we started really in March of 2014. Very good. It doesn't sound like you have a Florida accent, though. Where are you from originally? Um, you're right. I'm originally from across the pond. Um, I, the, I was in the Royal Navy. They sent me to Philadelphia to work. Uh 27 years ago and I never went home so I'm originally from uh, just south of the Thames just southwest of London okay very good and so do you do this full or part-time I do this part-time part-time and by part-time are you talking five hours a week or 20 hours a week <laughs> well that all depends <laughs> when we first started it was like six hours twice a month um, but recently, 
as the message gets out that when people buy some of these really complicated RVs and motorhomes, they better get it inspected. So the inspection business is really kicking off, and I can't really say exactly how um, how many hours a week I do. It depends. Sometimes we may do no inspections a week. Last week, we did five inspections in seven days, and an inspection typically takes four to five hours, plus a couple of hours to finish up and write the report. So sometimes, you know, we do an inspection, it's a full day's work. Um, But as independent contractors running our own business, we get to decide which inspections we do, when we do them, and obviously to meet the client's requests. But it's very uh, hit and miss. Sometimes you look at the calendar and there's nothing, you blink, you wait two days, and you've got five inspections lined up. It's that sort of business. Okay. And now, do you do most of your inspections here in Central Florida, or do you travel anywhere to do them? Um, We will do them anywhere. We typically work within a 200-mile radius of where they're currently located. We are full-time RVers. We have a 40-foot diesel pusher, and we do travel. So depending where we are depends where we do our inspections. But in the winter, typically from like mid-October to mid-March, we're in Florida. So right now, most of our inspections are taking place in Florida. Okay. And why do people typically get inspections? Well, for most people in their history, they probably bought a house. And before somebody buys a house, typically they'll get it inspected from a home inspector. And in fact, some finance companies require an inspection. And if you buy a boat over a certain size, you have to have a marine survey done. Well, people are buying RVs and a lot of the time they buy them unseen, unsighted unseen. And so there's a huge requirement for people, especially those getting into the RV um, lifestyle and never done it before, They're spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on an RV and they really have no idea um, what they're buying. And so what we provide is a service that will allow people, whether they're experienced or brand new, to have an idea of actually what they're getting for their money. Okay. And so when you had mentioned home inspectors inspections, I know a lot of people are familiar with that, but I don't ever recall a home inspection lasting five hours, regardless of the size of the home. What is involved so that is so detailed in these RV inspections? Well, let me give you a simple example. All right. When you buy a home, there is one electrical system. There's one freshwater system. There's one sewer system and it sits on a foundation and it never moves. At least you hope it never moves. That's right. And RVs are very different. If you take my 40, I have a Newmar Mountaineer. It's 19 years old. And if you take a look at that, for a start, it has three electrical systems. It has a 12-volt system to run the chassis and the equipment required to take it on the highway. It has a 12-volt system to run the low-voltage systems that are actually in the RV, such as the lighting, the water pump, the furnace, and the control systems for refrigerators and air conditioning systems, as an example. 
then to be able to run that refrigerator, to run that air conditioning system, to run that water heater, you have another 120 volt AC system, which is like you have in a house. And all those systems need to talk to each other. So how they're put in, how they talk to each other is actually pretty complicated. And so it takes quite some time to go in and make sure all those systems are working properly. Plus, in your house, some very kind utility company provides you with 240 volts, typically 60 cycle power through a line either above ground or underground that provides your house. You've got a water line coming in and when you flush the toilet, you don't know where it goes. And in fact, it, in your lifestyle, it doesn't really matter. But when you're on a, a home that drives down the road, all those things matter. You have a generator typically. Well, how does the generator get its power into the rig? And when you're plugged into shore power, how does that power come in? And there's a piece of equipment called a transfer box, which we have to go in and take the cover off and inspect it to make sure it's working properly. Um, water systems. There are typically three water systems in an RV. You have fresh water. You get it directly from shore, or do you have a fresh water tank? You have a gray tank that deals with that water that comes through the sinks and the showers. And then you have another system that most people don't want to talk about because you flush the, the toilet. And where does it go? Well, in a house, it doesn't matter. But in an RV, you need to know because you've got to manage that. So typically, these the complication of the systems dictate that it takes four to five hours. And that quite often is with two people. Um, my wife is very good at doing the inside, the curtains, the furniture, the cupboards, the closets, the flooring, the ceiling. She runs all the water systems, the plumbing, the washer dryer, for example. We're testing all those while I get on the outside. Um, I climb up on the roof. And the day that I either can't get my ladder off the roof of my car or climb onto the roof of an RV is the day that I hang my spurs up, so to speak. Because mm -hmm. we do go through everything on the outside. And yes, we do get up on the roof, but please, if anybody is doing this, two, two very important things. First, I never walk on a roof of an RV. I'm always on hands and knees. I'm much more stable, and I get a much closer look at what's going up there. And I also never use the ladder that is attached to the back of the RV. I carry a little giant. I put it against the side of the RV up by the roof. So I have it at an angle and I'm not climbing vertically. So I want to be safe. That's so, a good point. Yeah. Now, what type of inspections do you typically do? Any that come along or do you specialize in like motorhomes or, or travel trailers, fifth wheels? Um, we inspect anything that comes along. But typically, uh, most of the business is in motorhomes because, you know, with a travel trailer or a fifth wheel, especially travel trailers, um, you've got all the same systems, but it's not quite as complicated. Um, and the running gear is not quite as complicated. You've got a couple of axles, maybe some bearings, some brakes and a, and a, and a steel structure as the frame. And that's about it. You've still got the same propane systems and the electrical systems. Quite often, they don't have generators, so we don't have to worry about that. Um, but the majority of our business, I would say, is doing motorhomes, whether they're Class A's, Prevost's. I'll tell you about a Prevost we did in a minute. Great coach. All the way down to 
the little class B's and C's, and we'll inspect all of those. So we can do a, a class B, like a coach house um, or a, a road track in about three to four hours. The Prevost will take us six to seven hours. We had the honor and privilege in February of 2018 of inspecting a beautiful Prevost, and on the side of the window was the name Ernest Bergnoin. Bergnoin. It was his Prevost that somebody was buying and we were inspecting. But those Prevosts are a complicated pieces of equipment, and it takes much longer to do those than it does even the Numars or the Tiffins or the Four Travels or the Country Coaches or the Integras. Um, don't think we've ever done a Newell. That's one of the ones we haven't done yet. But, um, but yeah. When you're doing these inspections on motorhomes, are you also engaging in fluid analysis, checking the oil and things like that? Yes, we are. And we always mention it to our clients that that really is a good thing to do. It's based on the principle that when you go to the doctor's office and you go for your physical, the doctor is going to draw some blood and send it to the lab. So we basically do a blood test for your RV. We will pull the engine oil, the engine coolant, the transmission fluid, the generator oil and the generator coolant, if it's a diesel pusher, um, and send that to a lab. I use a lab in Indianapolis, very good friend of mine runs it. And it tells us a lot of things about whether the unit has been maintained properly or whether that um, there are issues you need to be made aware of. We have had a few incidences where, based on the fluid analysis, the clients have decided not to buy the unit because it, they've raised enough question marks as we couldn't guarantee that that unit, whether it's the engine or the transmission, would actually last. These, these big diesels, these Cummins and the older ones with Caterpillar diesels, they're half a million mile units, sometimes a million miles. And the Allison transmission is really reliable. Um, but you've still got to check to make sure nothing is happening. Um, we see more problems with engine coolants than we do actually with engine oils. The, the lab has a whole set of statistics based on the results of the samples we send in. And people, you know, people have this mindset, oh, I have to change my engine oil every 7,500 miles or Cummins recommends once a year or 15,000 miles. And people forget about the coolants. And in these big diesels, unlike your car, the um, makeup of the coolant is different. And it is most important to have the correct formulation in your big diesel because you can actually destroy the diesel if you have the wrong coolant in it. I didn't know that. That's good to note. So did you have to go through training to learn all of this? My training has been a long process. So I joined the Royal Navy when I was 18 years old. It seemed like a good idea at the time. And having spent a year learning to become an officer and a year learning about how to run ships at sea, I went to college, my degrees in mechanical engineering. Actually, it's electromechanical engineering these days. And then I spent 27 years making warships float and move. Did you ever see the movie or read the book Hunt for Red October? I've seen it, yes. Okay, so when I read the book in 1986, I was the chief engineer of HMS Battle Axe. 
That's a five and a half thousand ton UK warship, anti-submarine warship. And we were in the middle of the North Atlantic and we were hunting Russian submarines. That's what we were doing. And my job basically was to make the ships float and move. So I had all the machinery, all the gas turbines, all the big diesels, everything that you have on an RV, except much bigger except I had propellers instead of wheels. But the rest of the stuff, electricity is electricity, water is water. Um, so I had a lot of training before I even became and decided to become an RV inspector. Uh, the initial training uh, was with Terry Cooper. I did it in Bushnell, Florida. And it was a week, it was five day training on basic RV systems. So I'm taking my knowledge of um, mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, applying to the, the marine industry into the RV industry. And once I completed that, my good friend Art Horton, who's a fellow inspector and he works on the east coast of Florida, he ran what was then the three-day advanced training. That training is now five days. And that takes you to from the basic systems class on RVs to how to apply that of how to inspect them and so you know anybody becoming an inspector that's the basic training but if you have some mechanical knowledge you have an interest in rvs you're good with your hands and you don't mind getting dirty becoming an rv inspector is a great way to earn an income what types of things really stood out in the training that really impacted you or made a difference for you The going through a couple of the systems that I wasn't particularly familiar with, I can understand 12 volt DC electricity and I understand 120 volt AC electricity, but how they combine together and the difference between a converter charger, which makes, makes 12 volts from 120 volts, or an inverter, which makes 120 volts from 12 volts, how those things all interact together. And the other thing, the other system I really got a lot of knowledge out of was the propane system. Because we carry propane around, it's a very volatile fuel, we have to be careful with it. And I think knowing to recognize the problems and how those systems should be set up was very important. The other biggest um, thing that I learned was about uh, safety systems, especially smoke detectors, LP detectors, that's liquid propane detectors, and carbon monoxide detectors. And we can talk more a little bit about that in, in a minute if you would like to. Okay, very good. And is there anything that the training did for you that improved your ability to become an RV inspector? It it really did. It taught me what to look for because you can walk up to an RV and you can think you're looking at it. But let me give an example of what I, how I learned, what they explained to me that I then put into practice. I'll give you an example. So one of the things Terry taught me was crawl on the roof on four, you know, knee, hands and knees. And I have knee pads and I wear gloves and I'm safe up on the roof. But you've got to get down and you've got to look. So earlier on this year, we were inspecting a Class C with a cab over the the uh, the front it was on a ford 450 chassis so just standard ford chassis very common class c 
it's dry outside. I walk up to the RV and I see water dripping on the ground either side of the front tires. And then what I learned in the training, very specifically, if you see something that, that appears not to be right, don't ignore it. You've got to go and find out what's going on. And what I found out was when I looked up on the bottom outer edge of the cab over, there's a, there's a seal, there's a seam there. And that seam was wet and it was covered in this green bird, um, this green stuff. It wasn't raining. The side of the cab was dry. So I'm thinking, how can water be coming out of that seam? So, so the training then teaches you, well, go find out where that's coming from. So I get up on the roof and I find up, I've got great pictures. I get up on the roof and in that very area over the front corner of the cab, the manufacturer had designed the roof into such a way that the roof had a one inch, like a cofferdam all the way around the roof. So that and there was no way for the water to drain off the roof. And if the sealant was bad, which it was in this case, the water would then run down between the outer and the inner skin of the RV. And remembering my training, they said, well, keep going until you find what you're looking for and don't miss anything. We crawl inside. I get up inside the cab. I'm pulling back the mattress that's in the cab over on the bunk. And underneath that mattress, it was wet. There was water. And this rig was three years old. Uh-oh. Yes. So that's just an example. And, and the big thing they teach you in the training is where to look, because unless you learn from somebody about where the issues are, where the problems are, and I think the RV inspection business that we're doing has been around now for about, about six years. We as inspectors, we do share information, especially when we see something, and it helps other inspectors to know where to look. Sometimes it's very tempting to think to yourself, oh, everything's fine, but that's when it's going to come back and bite you. Another example, um, we always take the cover off the 120-volt electrical distribution panel. Now, you've got to know what you're doing because there's, if you touch the wrong thing, that's 240 volts if you're still plugged into shore power. The safe way is to disconnect the power before you do it. But if you're a trained electrician, you can do it with the box live. Okay. Take the cover off. And 99.9% .9 of the time, you don't see anything wrong. But recently, I saw burnt wiring in that 120-volt distribution panel. That's not good either. No, that's not good either. Now, we don't fix it. I don't repair RVs. It's my choice. I know a lot of the inspectors also have an RV repair business, although our code of ethics doesn't permit us to work on and get paid for repairing an RV that we've inspected for at least 12 months. So we truly are independent inspectors. But I have a group of um, RV technicians that I know in my area, and I give the client referrals to a three of them and let them decide who they're gonna call to get it fixed. We actually showed the seller and he said, oh my God, oh my goodness, we'd never, you know, we didn't know that was there. And trust me, he said, I'm gonna get it fixed. Don't worry about it, we will get it fixed. Um, but. I think the, the biggest thing in this training is you're being trained by people who know what they're doing, 
they've been inspectors themselves or master technicians, and they now know how to advise the inspector of where to look to identify the problems that when you first walk in and you first glance around, it looks like a perfect rig until you start digging. That's a good point, Jeff, because many times new buyers, people who are new to the RV industry, don't even know what questions to ask about their RVs. So there's no reason or there's no real ability for them to go and inspect their own RV. I would say we get phone calls all the time with the, with the internet and the uh, sites that are selling specifically used RVs. We get calls from clients all over the country. I would say 50% of our business is like that. They have never seen the RV. They don't want to pay for an airplane ticket to come in and come and check it out to see whether it's worthwhile, even them going any further. And we become their eyes and ears for them to go and inspect this RV. And the other thing is, so typically with the baby boomers, as they get older, saying, you know, we, we want to do the RV lifestyle. We've never done it before. And we have no idea what we're doing. They're the people that need the inspection because... When they go, I don't mind whether it's a dealership. We work with dealerships. They're very accommodating to us because they want to keep the, uh, the customers happy. We do it with private sales, and the seller really just wants to sell the RV. Um, we let people know. I never tell them whether they should buy it or not, but our goal is to give them a factual report of the condition of the RV that they're expecting. And one of the things that we do, my wife and I do, we'll probably take three to 400 photographs of the RV during the inspection. We get really up close and personal to it. And then we upload those photographs to Google Photos and we send them a link. So they get to see every photograph that we see and we've taken. And it gives them a much closer idea of what's going on. And then when we write the report, we will highlight some of those photographs and point to the areas of concern with a picture. Because as we all know, a picture is worth a thousand words. Absolutely. Have you encountered any really big surprises while working as an inspector? We've had some great surprises, both good and bad. Um, let's do one of the really good ones. Um, what I said was, um, we've inspected this Prevost. We've inspected um, some really nice rigs. And we've worked really hard, actually, to try and find something. And we don't find anything. We, we had a really beautiful rig we inspected just a week or so ago. It was a 1999 Airstream Cutter 35. That's a diesel pusher. It's one of the fewer Airstream diesel pushers that they made back then. It's on a Freightliner chassis with a Caterpillar engine. And the pride of ownership from the previous owners really shone through. This rig had been taken care of. Even the detector systems were up to date. The only problem they had with it was it failed the air brake test. In other words, I was testing the air brakes and I lost 15 pounds per square inch in one minute. And I suspect I know what was wrong, but basically, basically what I said um, to the clients, before you take that out on the road, you take it to the truck shop 
right across the street. It was one of these big truck stops. You have a Freightliner chassis, that's truck equipment. Go and get those air brakes fixed before you get it out on the road. But other than that, it was a really nice rig. Um, however, one of the other things that really surprised me, it was a, um, a Damon Intruder. It must have been about 18 years old. Um, that was a gasser. They had the roof air conditioners weren't working. And on the back of the rig, they put one of these carriers and they mounted the condenser from a, from a household split air conditioning system and put the air handler above the door on the way into the rig. So it, it actually worked very well. Um, but it was, it was a domestic air conditioning system, one of these split systems, these micro split systems they put on an RV. They'd completely done the interior, redone it with IKEA furniture. The only problem with it, there was no passenger seat. It was a big bench seat on the passenger side. They'd taken out the passenger seat. And they built a bunk bed over the front of the RV, and you had to crawl over and behind the supports of the bunk bed to get in the driver's seat. But they spent all this money on the inside. It looked beautiful, but the running gear on the underside was still a 20-year-old gas-powered coach. Um, another interesting one was a, a 1989 four-travel grand villa on a John Deere chassis. And it was like, well, that was something new. I didn't know John Deere's chassis were used for motorhomes, but they were. Me neither. 20 years ago, it was fascinating. And that was actually in pretty good shape. No, no ground fault circuit interrupters, of course and probably no carbon monoxide detectors. One of the things, uh, if you're listening and you have a brand new rig, please check your uh, smoke detectors. We inspected a two-year-old rig and the battery plastic protection strip was still in the smoke detector. Uh-oh. Yes. And the other thing I would implore anybody who, who has an RV, please check the manufacturing date of your liquid propane LP detectors and your carbon monoxide detectors. I know Greg, you and I have talked about the, the dangers of carbon monoxide and how important it is to have that detector working. Um, those two detectors, the LP and the carbon monoxide are really are only good for five years and they need to be replaced every five years. And so do yourself a favor, take those detectors off the wall. Typically the LP detector is powered by 12 volt, power from the main battery the carbon monoxide detector can be powered the same or or has a battery and look at the manufacturing date and if it's more than five years old do yourself a favor and go and replace them with an rv certified unit the the rv certified units are certified a little differently because they have to withstand colder temperatures and hotter temperatures and typically your house unit doesn't drive down the highway and get vibrated That's to pieces. Right. So the RV certified units have to pass a more stringent vibration test and have a, a wider temperature um, operating range. That's great advice. Would you recommend the inspection business to others seeking full or part-time opportunities? If you're looking, if, you're, if you love RVing and you want to make a difference, Yes, I'd highly recommend taking a look at becoming an RV inspector. You can do it either part-time or full-time. 
But the word of caution is that with any new business, it takes time to be successful. Um, we've been doing this business for close to six years now. And in the last three years, it really has paid off. But it took us a little while to get going. And now it's, it's not quite on free fall, but um, we have systems set up so people can find us. That takes time. You need a little bit of capital behind it to get you started. But whatever you do, once you make the commitment to do it, don't give up. If everything looks like it's failing, it, success could very well be round the next corner and there's always another inspection. The, the more this business, the more the RV business grows, which it is, the more the message gets out for looking for inspectors and, you know, do a Google search and see if you can find an inspector and how many they are in an areas because there are areas in this country where we're desperately in need of inspectors. Central Florida in the winter, we're fairly well covered most of the time, but other parts of the country, we need inspectors. So if you want to go and live in another part of the country, and the thing about being an RV inspector uh, and you live in your RV, you're mobile and if it goes somewhere else, you know, just move around. That's right. You can move up to one state and do inspections for a couple of months and then move off to another one. Yeah. What do you like most about being an inspector? The freedom. And our logo of our company is protecting your dream. So a lot of the time, these brand new people um, want to be there for the inspection, which is a double-edged sword because they tend to ask questions so the inspection takes longer. But... Seeing the look at the, end, at the end of the inspection, the look on their face, and you can really see you've made a difference helping people, that really is the joy of being an inspector. Um, whether they buy the RV or not, we like to think we do them a really good job and they really appreciate what we've done for them. And the RV community is a unique community. It's a, it's a lifestyle community. And it really doesn't matter what background you come from. You have a common interest in RVers, and it's an opportunity to meet other, other RVers who are trying to follow their same dream. That's great. Well, if people wanted more information about your company, or if they wanted to hire you to be an inspector for them, where could they find you? Um, they can find me on my website, which is very simple. It's inspectrv.com. That's inspectrv.com, one word. Or they could call my cell phone directly. That's area code 484-432-9002. 484-432-9002. And if you want to send me an email, it's my name, which is Jeff. That's G-E-O-F-F, -F, because I'm English. Jeff at inspectrv.com. And I also have a, a local number because... My cell phone comes out of the Philadelphia area. So I went to a phone company and I have a, a local number here in Orlando, but ideally you call my cell phone number. But if you go to the website, you'll see 407-545-2211. But that just rings my cell phone anyway. But <laughs> all those ways work. Very and I'm good. on Facebook at Inspect RV. Super. 
Well, thank you very much, Jeff. I really appreciate it. This has been a lot of information and you seem to have a lot of experience and you've uncovered some pretty interesting things for people. And I appreciate you sharing those details with us. Well, you're very welcome and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. We'll see you on the road. I'd like to thank Jeff Baker for taking time from his inspection schedule to talk to us about his business and what it can do for people. I really appreciated his detailed description of all that goes into an RV inspection. The last time I had a home inspected, it took about one hour and the guy took about a dozen photos. That's a far cry from the five-hour inspection with hundreds of photos that Jeff provides for his clients. People don't truly understand how complex recreation vehicles are and why it is essential that all the systems work together well. I appreciate all the little steps that Jeff takes to ensure that he inspects RVs properly, such as crawling along the roof to get an even closer look at the condition of the roof and the equipment installed on it. I'd also like to... I also liked how he explained that when he sees something that just seems out of place, that he works to track down the true source of the problem, whether it is dripping water on a nice day or moist areas on the inside of an RV. For more information about Jeff and his company, visit www.inspectrv.com or call 484-432-9002 or email Jeff, G-E-O-F-F, at inspectrv.com. He is right that demand for RV inspections is increasing all the time and some areas of the country are really underserved when it comes to having enough inspectors available to meet demand. If you'd like to know more about how to become an RV inspector and get the training needed to do thorough inspections, check out the National RV Inspectors Association's website at www.nrvia.com. Today's episode was sponsored by The Dreamer's Journey, a new service offered by Work Camper News to give people considering the RV and work camping lifestyle all the tools and information they need to get off to a good start. For $99 a month, people can participate in two online events every week to learn things like what type of RV to buy, how to budget for the adventure, where to call home, and how to find a job or start a mobile business. Participants can also join an open question and answer session each month. For more information, visit www.rvdreamersjourney.com. That's all we have for this week's show. Our next episode will feature an interview with a woman who went through tech training and now works for an RV dealership. Thanks for joining me today on RV Tech Talk.